You know, I was thinking about this great day, Resurrection Sunday, and um, I was thinking about all the days of the week, and while I do love Sunday, if I'm being honest with you, like, my favorite day of the week is actually Saturday. Anybody else love Saturday? Now, now when I was growing up, you didn't have phones in your pockets, and you couldn't get cartoons on any network. Saturday was special, because that's when cartoons came on. Anybody remember? Now, this is going to date us. You remember getting up early in the morning and getting downstairs and getting ready to watch Bugs Bunny? Anybody else? Yeah, I know. There are a bunch of you kids in the room are like, I have no idea what he's talking about. You know, Saturday, Saturday. I, I just love Saturdays. Um, I still do. I love um, that I get to do whatever I want on a Saturday. I can mow the lawn if I want to or I don't have to. Yeah, I can lay around and take a nap or... I can go get busy. I can build something. Saturdays are just great, great days, you know, especially in the summer, listening to baseball, being outside. Saturdays speak to, at least for me, like peace, wellness, right? Like all is right on a Saturday. And then I got to thinking about the Saturday between Good Friday and Resurrection Sunday. Like, I started thinking about it from these disciples' perspective, right? Because I can tell you this, no matter how they saw Saturday, which maybe they loved Saturday as much as I did before this Saturday, after this Saturday, this Saturday changed everything. Now, I want you to imagine, here are these young disciples who've given their lives to following this rabbi. And on Friday, the Bible tells us a lot, Good Friday, what happens? He's crucified. And then on, sa- on Sunday, we hear so much more. But it's interesting because the Bible says almost nothing about Holy Saturday. In fact, there's only one verse. It says this. It says, um, in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden containing a new tomb in which nobody yet had been laid because it was the preparation day and because the tomb was conveniently near, they lead Jesus in the tomb. This is silence. These disciples, this Saturday was terrifying. Now remember, this is their rabbi who they've given their life to and on Saturday they wake up to the reality that it was all over Everything they knew, it had changed. He was gone. Everything they had built their life on to that point, these last three years, it all seemed wasted and in vain. And I dare say that when they woke up that Saturday, the question they looked at each other asking is, now what are we going to do? You ever had a moment like that? Like, honestly, have you ever had a moment where all the plans of your life, everything you hoped would be true, the college you hoped to get into, the job you thought you were going to get, the money you thought you would have, the, the husband and wife you thought were going to stay, whatever it is, you've ever woken up on a Saturday and had that response, now what do I do? Because I know I have. I know what it feels like to wake up on a Saturday and feel just like the disciples. And I I ran across this quote about Holy Saturday, and I think it's pretty appropriate. It says this, it says, unlike the hosannas of Palm Sunday and the glory of Easter day, 
that we yearn for this day in Holy Week, Saturday, speaks directly to the daily reality of our lives. When stuff doesn't go to plan, right? Like it didn't work out the way I thought it would. And and you know, it's interesting because so often inside of this good book, we often think life is lived that way. Like we have really good plans and then everything really works out. I mean, that's how it feels like, right? Like, oh, somebody came up with a really good plan. Here's what I want to tell you. If that is your philosophy, do not start reading this book. Because I can't find a single story that starts with, well, and then somebody had a really good plan. In fact, every story I seem to come across is somebody had a really good plan and then it gets blown up, right? They never planned on doing the thing that they did. Like Noah didn't plan on being a boat builder. Esther didn't plan on rescuing her people from a genocide. Mary didn't plan on getting pregnant, being a teenage bride. I mean, I could go on and on and on. This is like the story of Saturday. It is the human story. Being in Saturday and wondering, what am I going to do now? And then you have to add on top of this. Here are these 11 young disciples who've given everything to Jesus. Not only are they wondering, look, are we next? Are we going to get crucified? But but you have to also remember that for literally as long as they've been alive, they've lived in a culture that has been yearning to be set free. Like they've lived, this people, they've been oppressed for literally generation after generation. Because it wasn't just their plan. These kids were getting blown up that Saturday. They believed that Jesus was actually going to reinstate freedom for their lives. And here's this dude. He's dead. And they believed that he was going to redeem all that was before. Because if you go back in history, this is what these kids would have grown up knowing. Hundreds and hundreds of years before. when, When the children of Israel set out to create a nation right? They really believed that they would build the most prosperous nation the world had ever seen. They, they believed it. In the early days, the children of Israel, this, is, this would be the story that every Jewish kid knew. We were supposed to be a prosperous nation. But as you look back, like 500, 600 years before Jesus comes, the first two kings were pretty good, you know, like it went okay. But soon, everything started falling apart. And this was important because what they believed was, if you follow God, then all good things should come your way, right? I mean, we don't believe that these days. But in those days, they're like, well, if I do right by God, then I'm just going to have more money and prosperity is just going to flow my way. It's just always going to be roses. And the reason why they believed that is because all gods were tribal gods. And this is how you told if your God was the best God. You had the most stuff. So when things start falling apart after Solomon and they divide into two kingdoms because they can't get along and then all of a sudden Assyria rises up and takes out the entire northern kingdom and then a few hundred years later, here comes this dude named Nebuchadnezzar with Babylon and he takes out the southern kingdom. What they realize is the dream that they had always had was gone. I mean, 
the reality was these boys, their parents, their grandparents, their great-grandparents, they had been living in Saturday for hundreds of years. For hundreds of years. Just a trail of broken dreams. And what they thought is Jesus is going to fix all this. He's going to set it right once and for all. I mean, you can... You can feel the pain of those people in Psalm 137 when it says, By the rivers of Babylon we sat and we wept when we remembered Zion. These kids would know that. They weren't just saying now what on that Saturday. They've been saying now what for literally hundreds of years. Now what are we going to do? Now what are we supposed to do? We walk in and I know so many of you are like, man, I came to church this morning thinking it was Easter Sunday and you're going to talk about really nice things. You're a real downer, dude. Yeah, but, but here's the reality. is I think it's hard for us to appreciate Resurrection Sunday if we aren't just a little bit honest about Holy Saturday. Yeah? Because in a room this size with this many people, there's a bunch of us that walked in and actually, actually, we know what it feels like to be living in that Saturday. Oh, we know. You go, hey, I know what those disciples are feeling because I'm feeling it. I just got that diagnosis, so I know, bro. I just lost my job, so I know. My marriage just fell apart, so I know. And it's so interesting because if you go back to this book in Jeremiah, there's a verse that we oftentimes will say, and it's sort of a pithy little verse But you have to understand that the prophet Jeremiah is writing to the people whose dreams have been destroyed. Because they've been spread out across the entire ancient world. When it all gets broken up by Nebuchadnezzar, he takes everybody in that kingdom. And he ships them across the entire ancient world. Their country, their dream is done. And yet, here's what Jeremiah says. He's speaking to them. You'd be offended if you got this letter. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you, not to harm you. See, the way I'm saying it is how they would hear it. You'd be like, oh, wait, wait. We've been following God the whole time. We've been following the whole time. You call this prosperity? You call this not to harm us? Our whole country's gone. The dream is done. And this was the way it was all the way up until that Saturday morning. What good can come from this? Have you ever, have you ever, have you ever found yourself in a dark spot? No, I don't mean just like, you know, internally dark, but for real, like, you ever had the lights go out? So, um, this, we had this weather event just recently, and, um, for whatever reason, that little tornado came right through my neighborhood and um, knocked out our power for four days. Now, on the service, you go, we live for a long time without power. Bro, I lost power for four days, and I thought I was like in the Hunger Games. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I was afraid of everything. We went down the basement. We had candles lit. Chrissy's like, what is wrong with you? I'm like, 
world's coming undone. She goes, bro, it's just the power. I'm like, the power's out. What's the noise? I mean, in the dark, I know, like, I I stayed the night at our house. She went to her mom. She's like, I'm not staying here. I'm like, I'm staying here. I got to guard the house. She goes, guard the house against what? She's like, what? The lights were on two days ago. Everything was fine. They go out and now there's like zombies coming. But this is what the darkness does to us, doesn't it? Plays tricks on our mind. You ever been in the dark spot and you're afraid of things that you weren't afraid of before? You ever said to yourself, when is the old me coming back that wasn't so afraid? When is the old me coming back that isn't so scared and worried? Well, this is what darkness does. Trips us out a little bit, doesn't it? Scares us a little bit, doesn't it? We, we, we can't see what's happening, can we? And when we can't see, we just assume zombies are coming. This is what we assume. We assume in the darkness, nothing good could happen. The darkness is scary. It's death. It's bad. But you know, it's interesting because if we look at this story, if we look at this truth, it's actually in the darkness that a bunch of beautiful things were happening. I mean, it was scary to the, uh, to the disciples. They were freaked out, right? But it was in the darkness of Saturday that all of Jesus' best work was happening. When everything was quiet and they thought everything was lost, he was doing his best work. If you would have asked him in that moment, is all hope lost? They would have said, yes. If you would have seen what Jesus was doing, you would have said, absolutely not. The story of this good book is actually a story of a God that does some of his best work at night in the cover of darkness. When sometimes we can't see all that's going on. So I love, I love, and I hold on to this verse in the Old Testament, Lamentations 3.22, when it says, look, the faithful love of the Lord, it doesn't end, Eric. I know you thought it ended on Friday and now you're in your Saturday. It doesn't end. His mercies never cease. Eric, his faithfulness, it is great. And his mercies, they will begin afresh in the morning. Just hold on. Hold on. Why do I love Easter Sunday so much? Because it speaks to any of us that find ourselves in a Saturday. It speaks to us that have lost hope. As Peter wrote, praise be to God and Father, our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given all of us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. These Saturdays, they do turn out for good. Because we know, as the story goes, with Jesus, Matthew 28, that after the Sabbath at dawn, after this dark Saturday, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary, they went to the tomb. And there was this violent earthquake, the Bible tells us. And the angel of the Lord came down from heaven and went into the tomb and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothes were as white as snow. Gods were afraid of him and they shook. 
We think it was when those angels showed up that something happened in the light of day. But the reality was all the work that happened before that made that possible. All his good work was in the dark. And so often we cannot see what he is up to. But I love it when a story has a good turn, right? Like, love it when the angel shows up. But I also love it when you look back at history and you realize what God was up to from the jump. That it was an exile. Remember the exile from hundreds of years ago. The children of Israel did die to their dream and their plan. They died to that. They would be this great nation like all other nations. And the death of a plan, it can be really painful. But they began to understand that God was setting up a kingdom that wasn't about armies or wealth. It was a kingdom that was a spiritual kingdom, not a political kingdom or a military one. But the redemptive power of forgiveness and love and mercy and grace would come to redeem this planet. And it was precisely in exile that this message could flourish. You see, when Jeremiah wrote to his people, God had, he has a plan not to harm you. It seemed ridiculous on that Saturday, if you will. But it was precisely as these communities were dispersed across the ancient world that these, these Jews would center themselves in these communities far and wide around what would later be known as synagogues. They would become, someday after the resurrection, receptor cities for a man named Paul. And the spread of the good news of Easter Sunday was made possible because of the exile. Without them being scattered among all the ancient world. What happened on Sunday might have stayed in Jerusalem, but because there were synagogues everywhere, his message spread like wildfire. See, God knew what he was up to. And let me say this. You say, well, God make that happen? I don't know what happened. I'm not him. We can ask him together when we get there. But I do know this. That what Nebuchadnezzar meant for evil, which he meant for evil, God turned it for good. There's a song. There's this song. I was going to sing it. And then I was like, well, there's a bunch of visitors to here today, so I'm not going to do that. But Carrington, there is a song that says something. How does that one go? You take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Sing it. Sing that again. Oh, you take what the enemy meant for evil and you turn it for good. You turn it for good. Easter Sunday is the great reminder that this is what God does. He takes what may have been meant for evil and he turns it for good. Your Saturday... I don't know if it came to you because of something you did or something someone did to you, but oftentimes we sit in Saturday and we see the brokenness of our lives and we wonder, can anything good happen of this? 
What's going to happen now? Our Saturdays seem dark and our lives seem over. And yet the promise of the cross and the grave is that God does that. He takes these things and he points them towards good. I mean, folks, think about this. Those of you that are visiting this church for the very first time, maybe you don't know faith. It may seem strange to you that the two symbols we celebrate is a symbol of death and a grave, a symbol of it being over, like the opposite of life. Right? Think about that for a second. It's kind of messed up, right? It's like your symbols, your beloved symbols are symbols of death and things being over. And Jesus is going, yeah, that's because I take what the world means for evil and I turn them towards good. Duh. This is what he does. And so our challenge this Easter Sunday is to bury this somewhere in our souls. Because Saturdays will come. You will sit in a Saturday. You will sit in a Saturday and it'll be dark and you will wonder, when is it my turn? You know what Easter Sunday says to you? Your turn's coming. Your turn's coming. Why? Not because something special you did, because of something special he did. Your turn is coming. Your turn is coming. If you've been count out, left out, a dropout, it doesn't matter. Your turn is coming. If your life seems over, if your plan seems busted, if you think there is no chance, no way, no how, guess what? You're in a real good spot. You know where God's address is, right? At the end of your rope. Some of you are like, really? Oh, yeah. And so this great, this great Easter Sunday. Yeah, we celebrate Sunday. But actually... I think it's pretty cool to celebrate Saturday because it's that's when he's doing the work and he's working on your behalf. The cross is the symbol. The grave is our reminder. Sunday is on its way and your turn is next. Will you stand with me? We're going to sing. Lauren, you can come out. We're going to sing about one of these symbols. About the, the symbol we all hold on to. And what I'm going to ask you is, No matter where you find yourself this morning, as we sing about, as we sing about the cross, I'm going to ask you to remember that no matter how you came in, no matter where you find yourself this day, it is because of that cross, it is because of that grave and the work that he did on Saturday, that your Sunday is coming. It's a promise. 